Hey, uh, we are wrapping up a series together today called uh, It's Complicated, and it's a series that just talks about uh, navigating this thing of finding the right person to spend the rest of your life with. How do you date uh, in a culture like the one that we live in right now? And we gave you at the beginning of this uh, some cards uh, that were our five non-negotiables, the things that we were going to say, look, any person I date has got to fulfill these things in my life. And the cool part was we said, look, God's only going to ask for two of the five. God's just going to say, look, here, here's the two things that I'm asking you to make non-negotiables in your dating life. The other three can be up to you. And, and if, if yours is, hey, they got to look like Angelina Jolie, that's okay. It's okay. Whatever. You get to do the other three. But God reserves the right for the first two. And uh, so I hope you remember to bring these back. If you didn't, that's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out today. But today we may be taking some pencils and erasers out and, and, and redoing it. But we're going to leave here today, hopefully, hopefully, with non-negotiables about who we date uh, in our lives. Now, here's the discussion that you and I have been having. We've been saying, look, let, this is hard. I, I don't know that there's ever been a time in our culture when this was any harder than it is uh, right now. But what we said is, is that perhaps, perhaps part of what makes this thing so complicated is all the misinformation that's out there, that, that you and I are dating the way that our friends date, or we're dating the way that we see people on TV date. And, and what, if, what if so much of that is mistaken? What if so much of that only adds to the confusion and muddies the water? And so for the last uh, four weeks, we've been just kind of unpacking the misinformation, uh, exposing the lies in our culture about dating and saying, look, if we can do this, if we can set all of that stuff aside, then we just get down to that which is really important. This could be a lot easier uh, than it is right now. And today we're just going to continue and do that and we're going to try to tackle it. But here's what you need to hear me say. This may be the hardest conversation that we have through the whole series. This, this may be the one that you just, you just ache over the most or that you say, wow, I just... I don't, I don't know that I uh, get that one the most, but here's, here's what you need to hear me say going in. This is probably the most important one that we'll have in the Literally, how you land on this one, how you decide to navigate this moment, has the potential to absolutely change your life, uh, to, to help you avoid huge mistakes in who you spend the rest of your life with. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you to hang on while we have the conversation, to, to let God speak to your heart as we do. Sometimes the hardest things we decide in life are the most powerful things uh, in our life. Here's the lie we're going to tackle today. That your relationship with Jesus isn't really a big deal when it comes to dating. That, that the fact that you're a Christ follower, and a, I mean, that shouldn't matter a whole lot. That, that what's really important is that you love the other person. What's, what's really important is that, is that you, you get along. Those are the key things. And wherever you are in the world would say religiously, you ought to be able to at least agree to disagree, if, if not maybe find some middle ground or some sort of compromise in, in it. And so really, who you are in Christ and being a Christ follower is not a critical deal. And here's what Scripture is going to come back and say. Absolutely, absolutely not. That who you are in Christ, this relationship you have with Jesus, is the most important question on the table as you begin to consider who you're going to date. That, that nothing else matters until you answer this question. So, a matter of fact, grab your Bibles today. We're going to take a look at a passage that I think just absolutely exposes this. Uh, if, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Amos. 
I picked the most obscure passage in all of Scripture uh, to share with you. Amos, okay, so let me help you get there, because if you'll go to the center of your Bible, you're probably going to find the book of Psalms or the book of Proverbs, head right, and you'll sign books like Ezekiel and Daniel, start slowing down, Hosea, Joel, Amos, okay? If you get to Obadiah, you've gone too far. If you get to Matthew, you're just flat lost, okay? So go back. Uh, it's a very small book. It's Amos uh, chapter 3. Now, unbelievable insight. This may be the deepest theological verse you've ever seen in your entire life, so prepare yourselves. Brace yourselves for the moment. You ready? Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Here's what it says. You ready? Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Let that just sink in for him, because that's heavy. <laughs> do, let, me, let me say it again. Just do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Kind of obvious, right? I mean, that, that's, that's pretty simple. Here's what you can discover. You cannot walk together unless you've agreed to do so. So let's just imagine for a second. We got a couple here. <laughs> okay. Hang on, baby. All right. She's been struggling all morning. Okay. All right. And so here's, here's the deal. Uh, they're trying to decide where to go, and, and she, she decides we're heading to Flagstaff. I'm not trying anything, I promise. All right, there we go. Okay, she's heading to Flagstaff. The problem is he's going to Yuma. Now, this immediately creates a dilemma because, ready, you cannot go to Flagstaff in the same moment that you're going to Yuma. Matter of fact, think about this. Every step she takes toward Flagstaff makes them further apart. Every step he takes toward Yuma only creates distance. Can two walk together unless they agree? And the answer is no. Now bring this into your Christian life. She's a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's where her life is going. That's, that's what she's going to do he hasn't figured out God yet. He's, he's not a bad guy. He's not a, he just hasn't figured out Jesus yet. He just isn't sure where this lands, and he's not prepared to take that walk. So every single step that she takes in obedience and followership to Jesus moves them further apart. Every step that he takes, just, just being a normal guy, I mean, and, and you just need to hear, if you're sitting in this room today and, and you, you haven't made that decision about Jesus, no one's, no one's, matter of fact, we've created a church where it's okay for you to come and to figure out who Jesus is. But here's the deal. As long as you're still living a life with Jesus on the outside, you just need to understand that your life is going to reflect that. And every single decision that you make will only move you that much further away from a legitimate Christ follower. And that there is no way for these two to walk together unless they agree. Which means simply this. 
she has to agree to leave Jesus out of the relationship. She has to agree to say, look, here's the deal. I'm, I'm a Christian, but while we're together, okay, because you don't understand this, you don't get this, I'm just going to pretend not to be. I'm, I'm going to leave Jesus out of the relationship. And I know, I know, I know. I know some of you are going, well, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. We, we talk about Jesus all the time. We, we were at Denny's, and we prayed before we ate our waffles. You, you get that talking about Jesus is not having Jesus in the relationship. And two cannot walk together unless they be agreed. And some of you say, well, Lynn, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Here, here's the deal. I'm going to be such a dynamic Christian. I'm going to be such an amazing Christian that I'm going to have him walk with me. I'm going to convince him or I'm going to convince her to follow along with Jesus. It's impossible. It's impossible. Because here's what you know if you're a Christ follower. The only way that you do this, because let's just be honest, following Jesus is the hardest thing any of us have ever done. All those guys in the locker room who said that Christians were wimps were idiots. The hardest thing you can ever do is be a godly man, a godly woman. And it takes real... And then, even in that... You and I can't make it without the strength of the Holy Spirit. Christ living in us is the only way that we navigate this thing. And here's the problem. Because he or she still hasn't figured out Jesus, they don't have that. It is absolutely impossible for a person who has not figured out God and allowed God to be in their life to walk with God. And the very best you can hope for is that you put so much peer pressure on him, so much, so much arm twisting on her that they pretend to be a Christ follower, which all you're doing is training them to be a hypocrite. So the only potential option is for you to make a decision that says, look, my, my walk with Jesus isn't that great, and I'm just going to put it on hold for right now, because here's the deal. I love you more, and I'm going to agree to walk with you instead of walking with him. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, guys, here's the other part that's just absolutely insane about this is that you realize that when the believer does this, they are absolutely defrauding the non-believer. How many know what defrauding is? Okay, like two of you. Okay, good. All right. So this will, man, this is going to be, all right, you're going to get this. All right, here's defrauding. Defrauding is when I promise you something I cannot deliver on. Defrauding is I go, look, 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 I've got this amazing, amazing lot up in the mountains. It's full of pine trees. There's a little brook running right through the middle. It's an amazing place for you to build your cabin. You can buy that from me for a couple hundred thousand bucks. And they buy it from you, and they get there and find out it's swampland in Florida. That's called defrauding. It's when you and I go and say, look, I've got this deal, and if you'll just invest $1,000 with me, it'll be $10,000 in two weeks. And then you abscond with the money. It's defrauding. It's when you promise something that cannot be delivered on. You've cheated them. And guys, 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 I'm just telling you, when, 
a Christian. When a Christ follower dates a non-Christian, someone who hasn't figured out God, you're going to defraud them. Here's why. He's thinking, she's thinking that how you're behaving right now and what you're doing right now is who you are and who you're going to be for the rest of your life. So they're thinking, here's the deal. We're going to get married, and I mean, it's just going to be a party. We're going to go out every weekend. We're going to drink till our eyeballs fall out. There's going to be a whole bunch of leather and spikes involved. You know, whatever. Because here's the deal. They're, they believe that who they're dating is who you're going to be the rest of your life. Here's the problem. See, you may be a Christian who's far from God right now. And matter of fact, you might even be a person who says, look, I mean, my relationship with Jesus is so bad that the truth is I have more in common with someone who doesn't know Jesus than I do even with Christians. And so this is, this is where I'm at at this point in my life. I get it. And I get that you're pulling the prodigal son thing. I get it. I get it. But if you're a Christ follower, here's what you also know. You ready? Jesus lives in your heart. And whatever you're doing right now and whatever ways you're kicking against God and whatever way, you get God's not going to leave you there. He's not. And he is going to do whatever is necessary because you're his child. To get you back on the path. And, and I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it'll be a moment of financial crisis for you. I, I don't know if it'll be when you first get married and you go, wow, okay, so maybe it's time to get my life together. I, I don't know if it'll be when you first have kids and you go, wow, my kids need to. I don't know what it is. I don't know what that moment is, but here's what I know. If you are a Christ follower and you are not living for Christ right now, he will not leave you there. And that guy that you're dating, that girl that you're dating that thinks they're marrying a heathen, when you finally turn your life and when you finally get serious about Jesus, they're going to absolutely believe that you have defrauded them, that you lied to them about who you were. Because all of a sudden you're going to be saying, no, 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 let's go to church every Sunday. Let's, let, let's go follow Jesus. I mean, I know we're having a problem right now. Let's pray about that. And they're going to be going, What? Who are you? Who kidnapped my husband and gave me a Christian instead? What happened to my wife? I've all of a sudden got a missionary in my home. What happened? And they, guys, 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 they will absolutely believe that you have cheated them and lied to them. And they will resent you and be bitter toward you. And guys, I'm just telling you that all through this room, We've got married couples. And they're saying, that's, you just described my life. Because when we were dating, I was far from God, and I said it didn't matter, and Jesus wasn't that important in my life, and we got married, and, and then God got a hold of me, and I, I, knew, I knew that all those years I had wasted and lived the wrong way, and now I'm just so sold on serving Jesus. But my husband is freaked out of his head. My wife, my wife resents this so deeply. And I'm just going to say to you, if you're a backslidden Christian in here today, do everybody a favor. Stop dating. 
And I'm just going to say to you, that if, you're a, if you're a person who's still trying to figure out Jesus and, and, and you're not sure, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay that you haven't figured out Jesus. Just do yourself a favor. Don't date a Christian because they're going to turn on you. Okay? So until you figure out Jesus, I don't care how good looking she is. And she's making eyes at you. If she's a Christian, just go, cross to you, baby. Stay away. Stay away. Lady, I, ladies, I don't care how good looking that dude is. I don't care. If you haven't figured out where Jesus is yet, and some backslidden dude is trying to ask you on a date, just go, back off. Back off, dude. Because, because, because. Two cannot walk together unless they agree. You will, you will end up going completely separate paths. Your, your marriage is already hurting. There's, there's another passage in Scripture that just tackles this so head on. So grab your Bibles again and go with me to 2 Corinthians if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and then work to the left, you're going to find this book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Not only when a Christian decides to date a non-Christian does that become a decision to leave Jesus out of the relationship, but when a Christian decides to date a non-Christian, they violate the yoking principle. Okay, here it is. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Here's what it says. Do not, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness. You, you get the illustration there. You realize you can't have a room that is a room of light and a room of darkness because light and darkness are mutually exclusive. Matter of fact, darkness is the absence of light and light is the absence of darkness. And he's going, how, how do you put those two in a relationship? They are mutually exclusive. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? How can someone who has said, hey, God is the most important thing in my life and I'm going to follow him with abandon, what do you have in common with someone who says, look, I'm just still living for the cars and for the bigger house and the promotion? How can you worship two different things? God asks. For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people Therefore, you ready? Therefore, here's the answer. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. The whole yoking thing, the whole verse 14 thing. Guys, this is huge, and here's what you need to understand. When Paul penned these words, when God said, they, the people listening knew this. I mean, they had a huge word picture that came in their head. This is tough for us because you and I don't live on farms. We're not part of an agrarian society. But this was an absolutely powerful illustration. So let me see if I can help us get there. Here was the deal. If you were a farmer, you longed for a matched set of oxen or a matched set of mules 
to pull your plow. See, here was the idea. You wanted to find two oxen that were so similar in strength and stamina that they walked, in ten, they walked in parallel with each other. Each of them pulled at the same strength. Each of them pulled at the same rate. And here's why this was so critical if you were a farmer, because you're the guy behind them. And so they would have a yoke that would bind the two animals together, but it would come back to your plow. And if you had one really, really strong ox, and then you had one inferior or sickly ox, you were in trouble. Because here's what happened. The strong ox would begin to pull with all of its strength. The sickly ox could not keep up, and so the strong one would always win, and your plow would constantly be swerving off to the side. And as the farmer, the guy behind, you then had to lean the entire time that you were plowing, you had to lean on that handle to hold back the strong ox because they were mismatched, which meant simply this. You were working yourself to death. This just brought tons of extra unneeded effort to the idea of plowing your field. But the other part was you had to go way slower because you were constantly stopping and backing the oxen up and getting back in line and then starting over again. So every other farmer was plowing four times as much field as you were because you ready? You had a mismatched set. And I'm telling you that when... Paul penned these words, and when the Christians in the church heard it, they went, oh, that's exactly what you're doing when you hook up with someone who doesn't know Jesus, when you begin to date them or when you begin to, more importantly, marry them. And, and guys, I'm just telling you that if you decide to do that, if you violate the yoking principle, you will spend your life struggling with the ox. You just will. Here's the deal. You've got a Christian in the relationship, and all of a sudden, life starts to fall apart. I mean, things, things are going bad, and, and that Christian's saying, well, look, you know, I don't think we brought this on ourselves. I mean, I can't look back and see any decisions that we made. So if that's true, and we didn't do this to our marriage or to our circumstance, then it must be the hand of God. I, I think we ought to pray about this. You're hooked up, you're matched up with someone who hasn't figured out, you realize that's the stupidest thing they've ever heard? They're just going to go, what? What? Your answer to the problems we've got right is prayer? Prayer? Do something real. Your kids are struggling, you know, they get to that 12, 13, 14-year-old age and and you start to realize, woo, my kids are hanging with the wrong kids. They're starting to make decisions that are scaring me to death. If you're a Christ fault, you're going to go, what? you know, I think it's time to get some spiritual stuff into my kids. I think we better get totally back in and totally sold out to church. We better do that. You're with somebody who doesn't understand you, hasn't made those decisions. They're going, no, no, no. Let's just go spend a couple weekends at the lake. Everything will be okay. Guys, I'm just telling you, you will struggle and struggle and struggle through every single decision you make as a couple because you will see it absolutely different. And your, and your marriage will go forward at quarter speed. It's the yoking principle. Here's the deal. I, I know that this passage, when you read this passage, talks specifically about believers yoking themselves with non-believers. But I think, I think the application goes further, guys. 
I think this principle goes further. And I believe it is equally as dangerous for a solid, God-fearing, I'm following Jesus Christian, to link themselves up with a half-hearted, weekly, or baby Christian. Okay, let, 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 me, let me see if I can help you with that. So uh, we've got a model that's going to come out uh, today and help us with this. Okay, so here's the deal. I, I was unable to get oxen. I tried. I tried, uh, but I, I couldn't pull it off. So I got the next best thing. So there we go. Okay. So here's the deal. Think about this for a second. So, so, so we'll let this, this one represent like this fairly solid believer. In other words, God's already kind of taken into a place. There's, there's some legitimate maturity going on. I mean, there's some strength there. Now, guys, I'm just going to say to you, it matters who you yoke up with. And just because they're a believer doesn't mean they're ready to be yoked up with you. Because what if, what if, what if, what if? What if, what if they are like miles behind in their decisions for What if they're a baby Christian? Okay, so now we've got our second model. Okay, so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking here, guys. You, you yoke up like that. It's dangerous. Okay, it's just, it's just scary. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, all right. So, before he eats my dog. Um, okay, so think of it this way. Okay, if this is the guy and that's the girl, you realize that as he goes to lead that home, as he goes to go forward, if he just walks at normal pace, he will be dragging her along. And a matter of fact, think about this, she will actually become angry and resent him because she will say, look, you're doing me harm in your following Jesus thing. And he's going to go, no, 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 I'm, I'm barely walking. And she'll say, no, 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 you're dragging me because it's not a match set, okay? If that's not scary enough, guys, if that's not scary enough, reverse the order. This is the woman, that's the man. And ladies, you're gonna make him the head of your house. That's gonna be the spiritual leader of your home. He's going to take 20 steps to get you anywhere. That's the plan. It's exactly how he'll respond. Okay. And I, I'm just saying, guys, 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 I guarantee you, singles, I guarantee you that there are married couples all through this room who right now are saying, Lynn, you just described my home. I wish, I wish, I wish somebody would have the courage to tell me that. And you have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to do this better. And I'm going to tell you, I just believe it is just as critical that not only that you only date believers, 
but that you date believers who are somewhere in the same caliber of their walk with Jesus as you. Okay, let's, let's save his life. We'll let him get off stage. The poor guy. Okay, so here's, here's what we've done, guys, and just, yeah, thank you for the dogs. Thank you for not eating each other. We're going to fill out some cards, and let, let's, just, let's just get ourselves back to where we've been. Remember, we've been saying, hey, look, what if we, what if we unpack the lies of dating? And so, on the first uh, Sunday together, we talked about this idea of saying, look, our culture says, look, it's just, it's just spring break all through dating, and just do whatever you want to do, behave however you want to behave, be as selfish as you want to be, because here's the deal, you're going to magically put on a white dress, he's going to put on a tuxedo, and suddenly people who've behaved like backyard dogs are going to become indoor dogs. And, and all that selfishness that you've had is going to suddenly become selflessness. And we said, guys, this is crazy. And that you and I ought to date like we're auditioning for our marriage. And you and I in our dating life ought to be treating each other with selflessness. We then uh, had another conversation about this idea that so often when we date, we're looking for our other half. See, we know that we're not completely cooked as individuals, and we know that we, we know that we've got some stuff that God hasn't finished with yet, and so we look for our other half. We look for the person who, whatever their deficits are and whatever their problems are, complement ours, and, and the idea is two halves will end up making a whole, and what we discovered is two halves make a quarter. And that instead, what you and I ought to do is say, God, whatever you need to do in me to get me ready for the other, make me a whole person so that when they walk in the room, they'll be deeply attracted to me and see me. And then we also uh, talked about this idea that right now in our culture, we've got this prolonged adolescence, that there's this idea that instead of becoming men, our boys stay adolescents. They stay guys uh, for an, ex an extended uh, period of time. And, and they haven't grown up. They haven't stepped into manhood, and they haven't accepted responsibility. And guys, you're just crazy to date someone like that, to marry someone like that. So here, here's the deal. Look, girls, if you're attracted to a guy, if you're attracted to a child, that's called maternal instinct. Don't marry him, adopt him, okay? Okay, so, and here's the answer. Children do not make good husbands. And then, then we talked uh, last week about this idea that says, hey, um, Sex is, is only physical. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just arm wrestling with your clothes off. And, and, and it's okay because you can just do this recreationally. We said, guys, you get that's impossible. That because you and I are not animals, because God made us soulish, you cannot have any sort of sexual encounter. Pornography, I don't care what a prostitute, you can't and not take your soul with you. It is never only physical. And then today, we've unpacked the last slide that just says, hey, anybody will do. It, you know, it doesn't matter as long as you're attractive, as long as they're okay. Don't, don't worry about where they are religiously or where they are in their relationship. Anybody will do. And if you and I would simply take a moment, you and I would realize 
that all of those lies added together simply work to slow us down and to make this more confusing. And what if, what if you and I just left the chaos behind? What if you and I just said, I, I, we're done. We're done dating like our friends date. We're da- done dating like they do on TV. And we're going to begin to date like God dates. It'd be a lot simpler. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask every one of you that brought your cards back to grab your cards right now. And if you forgot your cards uh, in front of you, uh, there are slips of paper. You can just write, who cares? It doesn't have to be a card. Just write it on a slip of paper. Just one, two, three, four, five. And I'm going to ask you today, every single adult we got in the room, to establish the five non-negotiables, but to let God have the first two. Okay? So card, pencil in hand, paper, pencil in hand. Here are the two. Here are the two that I think God has said as we've had this conversation together. Number one is exactly what we talked about today. That you and I would make a commitment in our lives. I will only date a Christ follower. I will only date a Christian in my life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, about 10 years ago, we were doing Friend Day, and we had a guy by the name of Judge Reinhold who came. And you guys probably don't recognize who that is, but you've seen him like in 20 movies. And uh, he came and shared his, how he had come to know Jesus. And it's, here's what's interesting. Judge Reinhold came to know Jesus because a Christian turned him down on a date. He's on a movie set, and he sees this girl, and she's just amazing. She's gorgeous, and she lights up the room. There's something different about her from everybody else on the set. And Judge Reinhold says, look, I, I was going to get a date with her. And so he asked her out, and she said no. And he went day after day after day and said, look, I want to go out with you. There's just something remarkable about you. Would you please? And finally, she agrees to a lunch date. And after the waiter had barely taken their drink order, here's what she said to him. Judge, I cannot date you. I am a Christ follower. And I love Jesus with all of my heart. And I just can't imagine dating a man who doesn't love Jesus as much as me. What if every one of our singles in this room today took that and just said, I love Jesus more than anyone I could potentially date, and I just absolutely refuse to date anybody who doesn't love my Jesus as much as me. First non-negotiable. Second non-negotiable, no backyard dogs. No backyard dogs, which means simply this, do not date backslidden Christians. If they're not, guys, backslidden Christians are worse than heathens. Don't date them, don't date them, don't date them. And if they haven't figured out where they are with Jesus, if they're not living for Jesus actively, if they're, live, if they're living in the backyard and going wild, and don't date them. I don't care. And I can't tell you how many women have been deceived, how many men have been deceived because they ask somebody out and they say, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just live like the devil. And they go, okay, I'll fix you. No dating backyard dogs. If they're not active... There's nothing worse than a Christian who's running from God. So you date Christians only who are serious about following your Jesus. Number one, number two, and here's the cool part. The other three, you get to pick. I will only date Brad Pitt. Well, good for you. You're going to have to wait a while, but good for you. Okay, and they have to be blonde hair, blue eyed. Good for you. That's okay, because God says, look, I don't care about the other three. They've got to have a great sense of humor. That's fine, as long as you don't violate the first two. 
And what would, it, what would happen today, guys, if every single, single adult in Cornerstone simply said, I'm a Christ follower, and I absolutely refuse to date somebody who doesn't love my Jesus as much as me. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come to you in this moment, and we just say, look, this is so against the culture. This is so different than how our friends date. It's so different than what people are doing on TV where they jump in bed with each other like a goodnight kiss. This is different. And I'm just going to ask you that the singles of Cornerstone would be different, that we would be so sold out, so bought into Jesus that we would say, look, two people can't walk together unless they agree, and I will never agree to leave Jesus out of my relationship. So I will only date Christians, and I will only date Christians who are serious about my Jesus. Those are my non-negotiables. Make us that type of people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.